All right, if you've got your Bibles, if you want to follow along, let's have a look at Matthew 13, 44 and 45. It says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he had to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant look on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great price, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Now, another version, which uh, well, my other Bible at home says, uh, and he hid it again, and in his joy. Can we all say, in his joy? Now let's say it again like we actually have it. In his joy. In his joy, he sold all he had and went and bought the field. Now why would he sell everything he owns to get something that's buried in, that he buried in a field? The, uh, let, let's picture it actually first. Okay, where are they building houses? Still up in Granada, okay? We're walking, you're right for a nice walk, you're going along a walk and you see vacant lots, a whole bunch of vacant lots, you go for a nice walk in the field and you see something in the ground. So you, you dig it up and it's, I don't know, whatever's important to you. For me, it's probably a big barbecue. But you, pick, you, you dig it up and it's so amazing that you dig it, you, you bury it again, then you find out who owns the field and you decide you're going to buy it. Because whatever's in that ground, you want. You're going to sell it. You're going to get rid of everything you have. So you go home, and you go home to your wife or your husband. Sorry, we're selling in the lot. We're selling it all. And don't know how they react, but I know my wife's loving, so she'll let me. But picture everything you have, everything you have, your car, your favorite barbecue that you have already, but you know you're going to get a better one, your favourite Spice Girl collection, your favourite Engelbert Humperdinck CDs, I don't know, but you go out and you, you decide you're going to sell everything, you're going to sell your dog, or maybe keep your dog and sell your wife's cat, it's just, that can go free, um, but everything's going to go, depends on how they behave, sell the kids, just psh- all gone to get as much money as you can and you're gonna you're gonna go back and you're gonna buy this field because there's something in it that is so valuable so important that you don't actually have a problem selling everything you have and why is that where can we have that kind of joy and that kind of sacrifice how do we get that um Years ago, back must be about when I was in Auckland, which is the promised land. No, it's not really. God actually moved me here and my wife's from Auckland. He moved us here so we could meet down here. Um, but when I was in Auckland about 23 years ago, I was lead singer for a band. And uh, we toured around a bit. But we thought we were going to be rock stars. That's it. We were just, we were doing the gig scene. We were doing the competitions and we're doing really well. We thought, that's it. We're rock stars. We're going to do it. So we need to spend some money. We need to make investments. So the uh, five of us went to a music shop and 
in our stupidity, thinking that we're destined to be rock stars, not just another local band, we threw over $20,000 on equipment. That's new guitars, amps, sound system, everything. We just bought the lot. And we walked out of there thinking, now we're on our way. We're going to be rock stars. But to us, 20 grand, we didn't have the money. We just financed a lot. It's so easy. But it, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a issue. There was, there was no lamenting it. There was no, uh, what have we done? There was no sudden, oh my gosh, we're going to be broke. We're going to be paying this off. And that's 20 grand, over 20 grand plus interest. And if we know finances, uh, interest on finance, probably we paid back probably around 38 grand on all this equipment. Needless to say, none of us are rock stars. None of us are playing music anymore. None of us have that equipment anymore. <laughs> yeah. But um, at the time, we thought, yeah, we're, we're going to be rock stars. This is, and it was all we were into. We just had so much joy in, in playing on stage. We had so much joy when we got up and played in a pub and, 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 and seeing. And it was fun. You, you, you work all week. You write your own songs and... People pay their own money that they've worked at to come and listen to you. There was no problem. But it didn't cost us anything because apart from what we uh, spent on the finance, we didn't give up anything for it. So it was easy. But how do we have the joy when it actually costs us something? Like this uh, merchant who sold everything to buy the Great Pearl. The difference is he knew the value of the pearl that he found. All right? Amen? No? When we know the value of what we're searching for, giving up everything is nothing. It's easy. So the key to finding joy in our life is to find, or to, to find the value of whom we serve. Now, I looked at, um, I looked at uh, the word joy in the Hebrew. And it means, check on time, the Hebrew for joy is a word called simka. Has anyone heard that? Simka. It means, it literally translates to gladness or joy. It can also mean a call to action. It can actually mean a physical call to action. It's a, cho a call to a choice and a pathway to feeling better. And it can also, this is what I love, it can also be broken into two words. Sim, which means put, and ka, which means laughter. So it literally means, it can literally be translated into put in laughter. So to find joy in our life, we need to put in laughter. And through that joy and laughter that we have in our life, when we find it, when we really find that true joy and that true uh, joy in, in Christ, just our own Joy and laughter can be such a testimony to the world around us, right? If we look at Psalm 20, uh, 126, verse 2, what is that? I'll read it here. It says, Then our mouths were filled with laughter, and our tongues with shouts of joy. And then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. See, this is, these are like people. No matter what they went through, they could bring the joy and laughter. And it was a testimony to the world around them that God is there for them. That their God can bring them through whatever. And that brings them joy. 
thinking, thinking the ego. Yeah, I'll leave that part out. But if we look again in James uh, 1, 2 to 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For we know that when, we, when our, your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when, you endure, uh, when your endurance is fully developed, then you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So this is, we've all heard, I mean, how many people, we've all heard this scripture in the past, haven't we? When we endure times of great trouble, or uh, sorry, times of trouble come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. See, at the end of it, in verse 4, where it says, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. These times that come our way, this is where we have, we need to find the joy in our lives. Because it's through that joy when the world, uh, to the world's eyes, to everyone around us, when it looks like everything is going to the dogs and we can smile and laugh, that's when people are doing to go, okay, something's either wrong with you or you got something that I need. That's what happened with the Israelite people in Psalms. Everything was going wrong, but they had the joy of the Lord. That is just a testimony. And I'm not, I'm not one of these people who... Uh, I'm, I'm a happy guy, but I often don't look it. I get people saying to me, they go, why aren't you happy? I'm like, I am. Well, you don't look it. Well, because I don't walk around with a dumb grin on my face all day. I'm happy. There's a difference to putting on a smile and actually being joyful, is it not? Everyone's very quiet, aren't we? See, I'm not... I'm, I go to work and uh, I, I'll be looking stern as anything just in front of my computer. But in the minute we, we talk to what I talk to one of my workmates, and the next minute we're cracking up laughing. There's just joy can come like that. But there's different realms to joy that comes and goes, or the joy that we have permanently because of the Lord. Amen. We need to find that joy in our life that stays through thick and thin, stays through trials stays through whether everything's going fantastic like not superficial joy either like superficial joy is see I'll, I'll paint a picture for you for me joy now last night uh, after the um after me and the wife of the day working and busy doing our uh doing jobs around the house and she did the garden and I built something for the dog and built a kennel and long day, long day. And at the end of the day, we had a nice chair that I'd built outside in the garden for the wife to watch, look at her garden. She likes to look at her garden. So I built her a nice bench, two-seater bench, and then I wheeled out my barbecue, nice charcoal grill, fired up some T-bone steaks, had some cold drinks at the barbecue, had the sun going down, looking at the garden, having the steaks, everything was perfect. I was a happy man. That's, as I was saying, me and Jonathan were talking this morning about barbecuing. To me, 
outside with my family in a barbecue. That's what I call my Zen garden. That's where I can just sit there and just go, <sighs> I have my barbecue. A good Saturday for me is left on my own with my dog and my barbecue, and I'm happy. That's it. That's all I need in life. If, if I can, good V8 race on the TV, done. But that's superficial joy. That can come or go. If the rain came down and flooded my barbecue and sent us inside, my smile would have gone with the smoke. Gone. It's superficial joy. The joy we need and the joy the Bible is talking about in our lives is that joy that is there constantly. That even when we aren't smiling and even when we are feeling like rubbish, there's joy in our life that we can be thankful for who he is. We can still be respectful to the people around us. We can still be a testimony to the people around us because there's something in us that knows and that shines that things are good. No matter how bad, I mean, I know we all find times where we might like, the, at different times in our lives, the, we might like the government, we might not like the government, we might not like the situations that's happening in our society, our city, but we can be the ones and we should be the ones that hold on to the joy that shows it doesn't matter who's in charge. We serve the one who's really in charge. And that brings us joy. That should be bringing us joy. So how do we find this joy? What's the secret? Who knows the secret? Very simple. Very, very simple. I used to think it's so hard. I used to think, oh, why is everybody else so happy? You go to church and everyone's so happy and they're clapping. And let's be honest, sometimes that's superficial too. Because sometimes people in church are going, I don't want to be here, praise the Lord. Oh, glory. I don't want to be time to leave. That's just because someone's smiling and happy and even in church doesn't mean there's actual joy there. So how do we actually find it? The secret to it is closeness, intimacy, and obedience with God. That's it. It's as simple as that. No matter how hard our life gets, no matter how crappy our situations can become, obedience, closeness, and intimacy. We read John 15, 10, 11. I said, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I read it again. How? When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. When we're obedient, we obey his commands. And what does it mean we remain in his love? What does his love give us? Intimacy and closeness. That's it. It's so simple. Very simple. Obey his commands, spend time in his word, and get close to God. That's it. And that is the key to bringing real joy into our lives. Joy that a world without God doesn't really understand. When everything else is going to custard in their lives, we stand firm because we have the creator of joy. 
you turn to, well, I'm going to read out Philippians 3, 3 to 11. When I find it. There we go. Excuse my reading, I'm not a great reader. It says, we rely on what Jesus Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have a reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I, have, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I'm a pure-blood citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a, a real Hebrew, if ever there was one. I'm a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and, and as for righteousness, I obey the law I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought of these things as valuable, but now I consider them as worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one of, with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I, know to, uh, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from death. Who was that speaking? Exactly. Paul. The dude who used to beat the snot out of and whip Christians and kill Christians. and This dude had everything going for him in that day. In that day, uh, like, like it says, he was a Jewish, uh, he, he was a Hebrew, he was a Jewish citizen, Israeli citizen, or he was a Jewish citizen, he was a, a Pharisee, he had everything going for him. He was uh, he was the man in the, of the day. He could live in both camps. He could live with the uh, Jewish people. He could live with the Romans. He had everything. He could walk in any realm he wanted. He had the education. He had the opportunity. He had everything. But he didn't have the joy. It was when he found Christ, he found the joy. That To the point where he turns around and it says... Uh, where was that line? Uh, and uh, well, I count it all as loss, or depending on what scripture you read. Um, eight, yeah. Um, yes, everything is worthless compared to Jesus Christ, for the sake, discarding everything. Counting it all as garbage. You know, there's a more literal translation where he actually said, I count, I count it all as dung. And this, this is a little bunny trail. We've got to realize these disciples, they weren't as prim and proper as we like to make out that we are. I mean, the closest translation is actually, I count it all as crap. Everything this world can offer you, everything this world can offer us, everything, there is nothing this world can offer us where if we're going to put it in those terms, 
without the intimacy and the knowledge and the closeness with Christ, it is all crap. There's nothing that can, uh, there's, everything can bring us superficial joy. That's, that's a given. There's, we can, I mean, yeah, I had it last night. Like I said, big barbecue, good cook up, time with my wife, I'm a happy man, full of joy. But it's not the joy that we need to talk about right now. It's not the joy I'm talking about. So I'm going to wrap up here. But what we're going to do is we're going to open up the altar. I'm sure Leo is happy with that. We're going to open up the altar. Maybe he says... Okay, if you want prayer, you've got to get signed off by Leo first. But what we're going to do is we're going to, what we're going to do is open the altar and we're going to ask uh, individually, we're going to ask that God will give us that intimacy. If we're lacking, if you need, if you, if you find yourself in a position where you go, okay, I know, but I don't have that joy. I have joy but when my circumstances change, so does my level of joy. It means we don't have that level of joy. You tracking? You following me all right? So the altar here, the, the cry on the altar today is one thing to God. Show me that joy. That's what we're asking today. We want that joy that brings us into a place that when we experience it, it brings us into more than just, yeah, I don't want people to stand up here and go, God, I need to feel joy. I need to feel joy is not the prayer we want, I believe. I believe the prayer, our prayer on our hearts should be, God, show me the closeness, the intimacy, and the obedience that puts me in a position to live in this joy permanently. So that's what we're going to do today.